I'm Lucy Barkas, and this is the Leader X podcast, focusing on the future of work. In my book, Leader X, I share my five minds methodology, a way to lead organization and teams. My legacy is all about what you want to create, the impact you want to have on your people, your customers, and, and ultimately the world around you. It's all about your purpose. It's the opportunity to dream, to vision, to strategize. But how do you do this when everything is so unpredictable and fast changing? In this series, I welcome futurists, people who hang out in possibilities of the future of work. I ask them about what's coming up. The goal is to inspire you, to challenge you, and to help you think bigger about your impact, your legacy. Leaders always start with the end in mind and then strategize, innovate, and find ways to make it a reality. The Five Minds Method will help you achieve it. So head to the website to sign up to the 3WH newsletter, uh, where those who are serious about leadership now and in the future will get the tools, tips, and methods to be the leader they wish they'd always had. And coming up, why conscious partnering is the future of sales and leadership. My next guest is Fred Copestake, and he's the author of Selling Through Partnerships. He's a consultant, trainer, and coach, and helps sales professionals to improve their performance and unleash their full potential. He has a unique style and a pragmatic approach, and he gifted me with a copy of his book, and I immediately drew the connections between the evolution of leadership and that of sales. The world has changed, and he is helping sales professionals to adapt and succeed in this brave new world. So welcome, Fred. Brilliant, no, thank you for having me, Lucy. Pleasure to be on. Uh, no, you're welcome. Now, um, I've just obviously read a tiny bit of your, your bio there, but you know it's always better coming from the horse's mouth. So tell me a little bit about your journey into helping others to be more effective. Yeah, well, I suppose if you if you want sort of the, the the backstory, if you like, it was that um, I did a degree in commerce and Spanish, so the whole gig we went to uni and uh, went away for a year. Nice. <laughs> went Good to Madrid choice. when I was like nineteen years old. Yeah, <laughs> and then I had to come back to Birmingham in the early nineties. So we um, were down there, but no, it was great. And I then got a job which was in sales, um, and sort of moved between sales and marketing, and ended up in a business development role. Um, which was basically go to cold countries and see if you can help them sell more was pretty much how you could translate that. And, and, and that was good fun because a big part of that was training. So there was product training, there was a bit of sales training, there was supporting the key accounts and stuff. And, and it, was this, it was the training bit that I really liked. And it was whilst in that role that I'd been on some training myself and I just approached the company and said, well, I, I, I could work for you. And they said, come and speak to us. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm the man. And I got there and they said, right, you're totally unsuitable <laughs> for what you think you could do, <laughs> which is a bit of a come down. Um, but they said, we have got this role. We're literally about to advertise. They said, you, you, your timing's uncanny, which is to look after this, this fundamentals of selling course and really kind of bring that up to date and, and make sure it's, it's a great experience for people who come on it. So I went and worked full time for a training company. Um, oh, wow which we yeah, a very rare thing actually to be a full-time employed trainer. Um, but, but after a bit, cut long story short, uh, I had the opportunity to go and work with one of our clients, which I did in, I did in a good way. You know, I didn't just sort of run off with them. I said to the company, look, these guys have approached me and said, would I run the academy for them? This client was Group Modelo. 
yeah, who make Corona extra beer. <laughs> the MD said to me, says, well, what would you want to do? I said, Andrew, they're offering me to fly around the world helping people to sell beer. What do you think I'm going to do? Anyway, no, I get it, Fred. Like, yeah, go for it. But, but actually, the way that that was set up was that I then could set up my own organization, my own company. Um, so I worked on a consultancy basis for them. So I actually still worked for my old company as well. So we talked about having cake and eat it. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, that was oh, how many years ago? What, 20 odd years ago? Um, but yeah, I've been involved in, in, in sales, sales training for, for 22 years. And since then, what, ran the world 14 times? Nice. 36 countries. I, I, I've tried to do some calculations. I, I've worked with over 10,000 salespeople. So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's been, it's been a good journey, as you said. So, yeah, so you are an expert. You, you've probably seen the best uh, of sales, but you've probably seen the worst as well. Um, so I'm sure you've got a few stories to tell. Um, but yeah, like I referenced in my, um, in the bio uh, or the introduction, there does seem to be a real uh, similarity in the way that we approach sales now compared to how we used to. And it, uh, the language and the way that you, you spoke about it in your book um, really did strike a chord in terms of leadership as well. So, you know, at the start, you said in the 1950s, it was very process focused. So it was all about attention and interest, desire and action. And from a leadership point of view, it's very much about managing people to get results. And we don't do any of that, you know, relationship stuff. It's just get the job done. And then as we went through time, you know, we've gone through needs and values and, and now we're in the collaboration um, area, which is really about what your book's about. Can you talk, talk to that, um, that evolution of sales and then I'll draw out the reflections on leadership? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, 50 is very much process style, you know, and I guess the leadership is your theory X, theory Y people, you know, and so we've got to give them ways of working. And sales wasn't quite like that, but it was very much having the tried and tested methods that you could do time and time again to be successful. And what I'd always say is that we don't throw all these away. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it's not the only way to work. You know, so we move into the 60s. In the 60s, for me, you know, that, that era of the you know, psychology and the you know, mind and how the brain works and a lot of sales training would have been around personality profiling and understanding the person you're speaking to, how they think and how you can motivate them based on that, which I guess you would reflect in the management styles. It's, you know, what are people's motivators? Absolutely. How can, how can we work with them on that? Which, which is a good thing. You know, and again, we don't want to throw that away, do we? No, and we still use that today. It's completely relevant. Absolutely. And so then we start moving into the 70s and you look at sort of the sales evolution. It's we need to sell benefits. We need to work with people to understand what's in it for them. And so why are they going to buy something? So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, you think, you know, a step on from just understanding what motivates them. And again, you know, I'm sure you're going to say, well, yeah, that's pretty much what happened in, uh, yeah, in those days back in, back in management. Yeah, we started to understand um you know, the, the positive psychology about, you know, if people feel like they've got something to aim for, to go for, that there's this connection there, uh, what's in it for me kind of mindset, then they're more likely to do that extra mile or, or you know, um, put in that extra piece of work and, and work a few extra hours. Um, so, yeah, it's about what's in it for me. And then we'll we tap into that. You know, we'll still try to do elements of that. Now, the 80s, I'm interested because when I look at that from the sales point of view, for me, that's a bit of an odd decade. Um, in the, that, weird, the music is great you know but um the, the sales philosophy was a bit odd you know is that kind of greed is good but gordon gecko wall street that type of stuff close 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 oh you're gonna love it when you, 
I love reading Leader X um, because I go into that. And so, yeah, totally. I think I reference Gordon Gecko in that. You do. I'm just kind of getting to that part now. Like, oh, looking forward to this bit here. Um, and, and so what do we take from sales now? Yes, we've got to understand ways of handling objection, ways of if there's a bit of discord, if you like. But some of the techniques are too strong from that decade. If we take them watered down and treat concerns with concern, I would say, well, that's still very current. That's modern. And again, I'm guessing, you know, you'd reflect that into leadership. And it's you know, take, if someone's upset or worried about something, take that seriously yeah. and, and spend the time and effort to deal with it, I'm guessing. Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah. 90s, massive change for sales um, in that that was when consultative selling was born. Yeah, so Neil Rackham did all that big, big amount of research and found that actually the best salespeople weren't doing what they were trained to, which is this objection handling stuff. They were asking more questions. Yeah. They were understanding people, yeah, recognizing needs, yeah, understanding what wants there might be as well, and then really providing solution and sort of giving things which would align with that. And, and I think what we found as, as sales and leadership has evolved, actually our expectations as consumers and purchasers has also evolved. And yeah. so um, we want that consultative. We want to feel like we're engaged and involved in the process, that we're really heard. Yeah. And, and, and really, you know, that, that kind of maps into the noughties where if we understand people's needs, we then say, well, we can fix that. And a lot, lot of sales training still, to a degree, talks about pain, solving pain. Oh, yeah. What about gain as well? And value. How can we add more value to, to the sale, to, to that sort of transaction, to the relationship that we're building? So, again, you know, leadership. Yeah. What can we bring to the relationship to make it even better? And yeah, and it, that is that another collaborative, thing. it's that co-creation. So this is your view, this is my view. What can we create together that is even bigger? And, and we talk about uh, rather than having power over, it's, you know, put power and power together and multiply it. It's an even bigger solution. So definitely some some synergy. And, and that's exactly the route sales have taken. So since that sort of naughty was this value focused, you know, tens, We'd be talking about you. Know, are you the person that can do that? You know, I get your organisation can, but can you? Because I want to work with the account manager or the, the representative that's going to you know facilitate that for me. So it does become more personal from that point of view. And then into into you know where we are now, twenties, even pre-COVID, it's about collaboration. It's you know how can we really do that co-creative? You know, make two and two equal five, um, and start to partner with people. And that's the route I've taken with the book is to understand partnering skills and bring those into the sales world because it will help people with the right mindset, the right ethos, and, and just have them in the right direction to do the stuff that's going to that's work, that's going to make a difference. It's really interesting because I hadn't even realized that I was on this journey, but in all of my literature, my sales literature, I talk about being a partner because each one of my clients is bespoke. They've got their own needs. Yes, there's lots of similarities, um, but they're in different journeys, different places, different workforces. And so I say, we partner with you to get the right solution for you. And I hadn't even realized that it was part of this, this progress, this, uh, this evolution of sales. It's, it, it is. And, you know, when, so, so what, what, I, what I came across and where it suddenly became very clear to me is when I came across these things called partnering skills or PQ. And so, you know, like I, I often refer to it as like PQ is the lesser known cousin of IQ and EQ. And people talk about those quite a lot. They probably don't talk about EQ enough, to be fair. But, you know, no one really talks about PQ. And it's not something I invented. 
is you know, a guy called Steve Dent, in particular, did a lot of research in this in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, in organizations that were, were forming big alliances. So you imagine the sort of airlines when they come together and they have these sort of the big alliance. And what he was looking at is how to make this stuff more effective. And it actually boils down to something quite simple, is that organizations don't partner, people do. Mm. So when you get the people element to it, he thought, okay, well, let's have a look at the people who are best at it. And there are recognizable skills, yeah, so skills because we can learn and train them, that people who are good at partnering will have. So I started reading this thinking, wow, okay, this makes sense from a sales point of view. Yeah, let's have a look at these partnering skills and kind of break them down and think, well, how can a modern salesperson, who's probably, like you said, using them anyway, but without being so conscious about them, how can they be really conscious and say, no, that is what I do. I use this stuff very deliberately because it makes what I do better. And, and that's where I went with the book. And that's kind of how I will now work and train many salespeople. I'm with sales leaders, yeah, but mainly salespeople in what they can do day in, day out to do the best thing for themselves and their, um, their customers. So obviously that's where we are now and it's 2021 and we've got another decade to be the the partnering decade. Um, But, you know, what's coming? How do you see it evolving beyond that? Um, I mean, so for me, we're we're just on the route to to this kind of conscious partnering, if you like. I I never used that expression before, but I guess I guess that's what it is. And it's. To get really good at this is not overnight stuff. And as people break down those six elements, you know, so we've got the element of trust. Yeah. Yeah, trust is a massive area. You know, you'll, you'll be talking about this in, in, in your leadership stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a foundation. Yeah. It's a foundation of all relationships, a foundation of communication. It's, and that's why I always talk about that one first. And, and these, these are all entwined, and it kind of leads into the, into the win-win element. So, yeah, sales, we talk about win-win, mutual benefit, all that. Same, same, same with leadership. And to the point that, it's not just about understanding what the win is for you, the win is for me and how we, how we manufacture that. It's even the discussions and the conflict resolution and the ways in which we negotiate and go about stuff that, that, that that'll bring. So, so all these run really deep. The next one is interdependence. Interdependence. Now with salespeople, that's obviously quite an interesting one because there's quite a lot of independent people out there, but we've got to be reliant on our own teams as well as the customer. So it's about giving up an element of control. And, and sort of playing to other people's strengths, doing it deliberately, doing it consciously. Again, we, we can keep developing all that. Um, another one that, that I like a lot, and again, I bet I've not got to this part of your book, actually, but I'm sure it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool, which is about the self-disclosure and feedback element. You know, it's, it's giving a bit of yourself and saying, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is how I need to operate for this stuff to be effective. Mm. And also saying, and I'll do it from the sales point of view, and you, Mr. Customer, aren't helping me do this. It's yeah. giving people feedback that for a lot of salespeople, that's an alien thing. Oh, you can't say that to the customer. No, you have to. You ha- if they're not helping you help them, you've got to give feedback. Well, you're not in partnership if it's all one way. You're not. If you don't feel you can, it's not really a partnership. So we've got those elements. We've got um, comfort with change. <laughs> Pretty relevant wow. at the moment. But 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 ever, ever, ever is, you know, and... When I'm talking to salespeople, yeah, salespeople are change, change agents anyway. They're trying to get people to do something different, usually. And even if that's just not carrying on doing the same thing, challenging status quo, it's, it's a big deal. So you know, all, all of these elements we can dine out of. <laughs> and the, the last one, um, I'll say the last one, just in the, in the way I'm listing them, is, is future orientation. 
it's looking towards future and kind of making decisions based on that, not what's necessarily happened in the past. Brilliant. Yeah. And I love that because, um, you know, that's just leadership. And, and, you know, we talk about leadership in terms of um, leading companies and organizations, but actually, you know, I talk a lot about self-leadership and all of that is um, don't manage the status quo. Think about what you want this year, next year. How do you want it to be better and be a change agent in making that happen? And I'd never really thought of the, the sales process of being part of that, but it totally is to help create those futures for people. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's almost help. And this is, this is what good salespeople do these days. It's they will identify areas in which people can change for their benefit you know not because i want to sell you a load of stuff and i've got it in a warehouse and it's sort of <laughs> burning a hole in my pocket money wise it's like no it's not that it's like i've looked at your business i can understand what you're doing i can see where you're going here is where we can work together and that is going to involve some element of change because you have to do something different yeah. <laughs> um so bringing that insight opening people's eyes to stuff and and leading them to a degree you know when people hear me talk about leading and sales in the same context like oh hang on a minute Oh, no, no, no. This is about servant leadership, which, again, very much part of the sort of things that you guys would talk about. Um, so it's, that, that's where it all fits for me and where there are so many parallels. And, and, and the modern salesperson will become more of that kind of leader than someone who can just turn catalog pages because well, yeah, there's plenty of information out there. Customers aren't stupid. They can find stuff. Can they find that motivation? Can they find that insight? Can they be helped to change for their own good that, that's where a good salesperson was definitely worth their value but yeah, need a different way of working me, you know it's the people um, you know the people the services the products that i've i've ended up buying um you know it, it's not just because somebody's picked up the phone and then harassed me until i bought <laughs> it it's actually the ones who have wanted to go on the journey with me and then after i've bought it they've wanted to find out how I'm getting on and they feel like they are partnering with me. Now, obviously if I've just bought something off Amazon and it's not, it's completely different, but when I'm doing a big, big investment, something that's really going to matter. Um, I want to know, like, and trust the person. I want them to feel like they're invested in me. And so I will invest in them. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's where for me PQ and that mindset and way of working and tapping into all these other areas of, of, of great practice and the business world and other worlds throw up can help a salesperson. Hey, let's take sales out. Can help a person be better at what they do. You know, it happens to be sales. Happens to be a leader. Happens to be this person. There's a lot of stuff which is which is common through that. If we can help people do it, then you know, happy days. I hope we're giving you some light bulb moments. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and catch up with other guests, such as Tim Spiker, who talks all about the who, not what principle. And coming up, we've got other topics such as mental health, cream teas and employee engagement. So stay subscribed and hit that button. For me, it's everything I do is about the human being behind it. And, uh, and you know, I chose the path of leadership um, and I'm trying to, you know, to, to bring humans back into any conversation, any relationship. Um, and it really gives me warmth and heart to know that that's how the, the sales process is, um, is turning. Because I, you know, back in my corporate days, I used to um, run the sales performance teams. 
Um, so my my job was to look at all the data. Um, and we had, you know, we had the telesales, we had the door knockers out there, you know, it was energy sales, um, as well as the BDMs who were working with the bigger consultants. Um, and I left that organ organization, that role, hating sales. And in fact, it really stopped me from actually growing my business initially because I just thought I would hate to be that cold caller or to turn up at events and just try and sell because I had such a negative response. But actually, the world in which you're talking about through this more partnership and collaborative, it just feels human to human. And that's what we need in the world right now, more human connection. It, it is. And um, yeah, I agree 100 percent. And ironically, technology can help us do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it is. Well, yeah, technology can do a lot of heavy lifting for us. You know, it can get us to the point that we can have a valuable conversation. You know, so whether it's rather than waiting weeks on end until we can find a time and place that we can we can meet, and actually that's kind of irrelevant at the moment anyway because we can't. Yeah, it's well, let's jump on a video call. Yeah, let's let's use that, and that's a very kind of simple way of talking about that. But then we can look at some of the other tech. I know you've had a, you know, I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day with um, with Paul McGillivray um, on there. Yeah, um, he was talking about you know artificial intelligence and stuff that it can do, and it I oh, get it. I'm so excited, it blew my mind. But oh, yeah. no, it, 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 you know the, what, what I took from that is that artificial intelligence can do a lot of heavy lifting. It can do the boring stuff. It can do the spreadsheet work and the things that actually some managers think is managing, but, but isn't. Um, but it, it can do that boring stuff so we can get on with being more human. And, and all of the people, I, I'm not sure whether he actually used this, this language, but all, most of the experts I hear talking about this, I, I adapt the same way. I, I take stuff. I hear good stuff. It becomes mine. They, they talk about augmenting the human. It, it's doing that stuff that is a bit boring, a bit dull, takes time, you know, that can then help us do the things which we and only we can do. And, and I, I can see, yeah, quite, quite a bit of that um, coming, in, coming into sales. Yeah. AI, yeah, exactly. AI plugged into CRMs, finding the right yeah, customer, exactly. doing all this kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's and the lead generation <laughs> and, and mining for your ideal customer, um, you know, with the, with the social media that's out there, actually, yes, we know as uh, participants of the social media that we are the product. Um, but if that does mean that I get really tailored um, sales approaches, uh, the, the data is seeing how long I spend on that, whether I'm actually interested, um, you know, that means that I'm not getting cold calls from worthless companies every day and like loads of DMs going into my inbox. Um, it means that actually people are finding me when I'm ready when I'm in the right mindset. So I think that's brilliant. I love that approach. Yeah. And we can talk to people that we want to talk to because yes, they're ready. Yes. They've got the right need. I mean, all that stuff we've talked about in, in, in sales, but even to the point that we can start talking to people using the tech who share the same values as us. Yeah. Now this is something I came across the other day, the concept of value graphics. Mm. And so I'm not saying, chuck demographics away completely but start to segment and use what's available now you're know, here and now to be able to say well i want to speak to people who are adventurous in other words they will try stuff that's a little bit different because the way i will train stuff is a little bit different yeah i want to talk to people that understand technology and aren't or not understand it aren't frightened by it and will use it because they get they can use it to connect better 
Yeah. Um, and I want to talk to people that are creative. So those are actually values that feed into those kind of archetypes, if you like, that if I look for them, and I'm actually using literally me as an example, if I look for them, they are going to be the perfect people for me to work with because of how I set what I offer up, because of what I'm like. Yeah, Our conversation is just going to flow better. We'll have a whale of a time rather than somebody, oh, I don't like this, don't get it, don't want it, don't talk to me. Okay, I won't then. And I'm, I'm actually very comfortable with that. I just think it makes it so exciting for salespeople that you'll be talking to people who you want to talk to and want to talk to you. Happy days, human to human. We're back to, back to that. It's like who you would gravitate to if you were in a pub. You'd sit with that table over there rather than those guys over there. <laughs> That's the holy grail of all kinds of um, recruiting or hiring or building teams within organisations. Values is right at the heart of everything. Will they fit in? Will we talk the same language? Have they got the same thoughts, feelings, attitudes. Um, and so it doesn't matter about where they come from or how old they are. Actually, they're just going to fit in. And, and again, you know, that's what we've been working on in leadership for years now. Never thought about it in the sales process, but it makes total sense because it is just a human to human transaction again. It is. And so when, you, when you're talking to somebody about something they value, you know, that aligns with them. And again, these aren't my words. <laughs> these are from, from the guy I was interviewing a couple of days ago. He said, it's like a dog in the room with a treat. It can't help but respond to it. Now, you could look at that and go, that's massively manipulative. Well, why? If that's what somebody likes, if that's what they are into, and I can say, guess what, so am I, and this is how I operate. Well, isn't that a great thing? Haven't we just saved a load of time? And we can sort of crack on and, in this case, you know, work together as you know, salesperson customer, work together as you know, leader um, and, and, and person who works with them your partner, if you want to call it that. It's great. It's great news. It's, it's far from manipulative. Uh, do you know what? There's, um, the, the word manipulation comes up in, you know, leadership in, in a lot of the, the um, profile workshops that I do. And I always say that influence and manipulation are two sides of the same coin. But manipulation means that you're getting somebody to do something that they don't actually want to do. Whereas influence is actually getting somebody to do something that actually they're really on board with. It's still the same skills, but it's the outcome. One will create buyer's uh, remorse. The other one will create joy. And, and I think we need to start using the word influence a lot more because nobody wants to be manipulated. And in partnerships, there is no manipulation because it's not a partnership. There's no trust if there's manipulation. But if they're influencing each other for a better something, then that's got to be a good thing. So, yeah, anybody that says manipulation, um, let's look at influence instead. It, it, yeah, it's a simple way to do that. And again, it's also it's nothing, nothing massively new. <laughs> I mean, you go back, back into our uh, sales evolutions we looked at. Cialdini wrote his book in 70s, I think, Roberto Cialdini. Yeah. Um, you know, and those principles are still absolutely solid. But look at those and start to align them with that sort of that data, sort of understanding we have now, aligning to values. Guess what? We're a bunch of people. We think the same thing. We want to do the same stuff. That's what excites us. Happy days, you know. Going to work, visiting customers, doing you know, whichever, whichever way, shape, or form. It's not work, actually. I mean, someone was saying to me, it "Works when you have to do something you don't really want to do." Yeah. <laughs> Probably a bit of a facetious um, definition, but it's just like it's it's great stuff, isn't it? This is what you bounce out of bed for in the morning. If you had a um, the head of a you know well sales function in front of you, um, and you were trying to say to them, look, look at the way that you're selling now, and 
over the next 10 years, this needs to be your strategy. What advice would you give them? Um, you're trying to get the structure of my next book, aren't you? Ah, is that what it is? Amazing. <laughs> you, yeah, it is actually. That's, that's kind of what it's based around. It's about where sales is going. And say, so well, I will share it with you. You've got an exclusive going on here. I think a word we will use, well, I will certainly use more. I hope other people start to, is um, the concept of hybrid sales. Okay. And so by that, that's for me shorthand of salespeople which are well-versed and well-skilled in a whole load of different stuff. So whereas we used to talk about internal sales and external sales and account managers and all this kind of thing, it will be more of a similar kind of person who's got all of the abilities to do different stuff. So in massive simplistic terms, it's rather than just, yeah, you're stuck on the phone all day and you go out and visit people. It's, well, one day you might be on the phone and the next day you might visit or you might be on the phone in the morning, visit in the afternoon. And then you're throwing some virtual in and then you're doing some of your own social media content creation. And you're, so that there'll be lots of, lots of tools that a good salesperson will need to have. Um, how does that break down? So some of the essentials, yeah, so being able to plan a meeting, being able to talk to people, being able to ask questions, being able to target the right customer, you know, that ain't going to go away. <laughs> that is still going to be the same. But now we need to add in this level, like I said, of virtual, working virtually, of which video, so not just video conference, but using video becomes a big part. You know, sending video and then communicating asynchronously. Add into that, I just kind of fits in that bucket for me, the whole social media yeah. use of. Um, so, you know, we can imagine if we've got the, like, these are sort of little tools in the toolbox, the toolbox is growing. We then need to understand opportunity management better. And so rather than just pure account management, is here is an opportunity to sell a certain project or, um, or, or, or thing. Um, how we break that down and some of the way of structuring it, again, which tech can help us with, because some brilliant programs out there, some brilliant software and platforms will help us. That needs to be second nature. That oh, I've done that, it goes into there. Um, L is for lead. Yeah, I'm working through a model here, Evolve, E-V-O-L-V-E. <laughs> L is for lead. We have to lead. Like I've just said, you know, the salesperson, servant leader, take people through stuff. Yeah. And one of the biggest that people will be doing in the next um, next few years, I heard you talking to a guest about VUCA the other day. Yeah, VUCA. If it, salespeople who understand VUCA and who understand VUCA Prime, which are the countermeasures to it, then you're cooking with gas because you are very, very valuable to customers. It's going and saying to them, oh, I reckon you've got um, a whole load of volatility and certainty, complexity and ambiguity going on. They're going to go, well, yeah, you know, that's not, kind of, that's not news now. <laughs> that's clear. What can we do about it? Well, you counter volatility with vision. You counter uncertainty with understanding. You counter complexity with communication. And you counter ambiguity with agility. Those are your cures, your countermeasures. So if as a salesperson you say, and I know how to do those for you and your business and with you, you are, you're going to be a very, very valuable partner, aren't you? <laughs> so that's, that's a whole piece in itself. You know, it's something, this modern salesperson, it's a big, big role. Yeah. And we because, need to start developing them now then. So which is why we need your next book coming out early. But yeah, because, you know, over the... I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> Good. But over, yeah, over the next eight to 10 years, we need to start giving um, the, the talent the opportunity to try different 
types of sales and to to do the face-to-face or to do an exhibition if that ever comes back but also to do the telephone stuff to build those relationships there's a whole new training package and career package that has to go with that and just one um, final observation before we because uh, we're going to have to wrap it up soon um but what interestingly said about um you know the salespeople of the future will have to own their own social media accounts and um and two things sprung to mind one is like the the network marketing approach where um, each person has their own facebook page and they will create it with all of their personality so they're already doing it but then you see on LinkedIn, lots and lots of the salespeople or the sales function is owned by the company. So all of the messages, everything is just what the company says. And then, you know, the salespeople um, is just their job title and they're reaching out to people. But are you saying that what would be really nice is that hybrid so that the salespeople for an organization are able to put content out there on their own pages and to, to craft their own social media image around that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Personal branding, personal branding for salespeople and understanding how this stuff works. Mm. The, the company should provide, and some are doing this now, so it's not last for you, and some are so far away from it. Mm. You know, no, we produce it and you can share what we put on the company page. It's like, well, there's actually no point in doing that because at the time of recording, shares don't seem to go anywhere anyway. Yeah. But if it's like, here's a massive pool of information, you take what you think is relevant and you create your post based on the little mini campaigns and the way you're thinking, the people you're targeting, the ones you want to talk to. That for me would be, without kind of going off on that whole social selling route, would be a, a yeah, it's part and parcel of what a modern salesperson will have to do. It'll be, it'll be their role. I love that because I will then follow that individual or see their post, get to know them as an individual hear their points of view on things and also see the, the product and the services that is more tailored for me because I'm following them. So we've already got that alignment in values going on anyway. Yeah. It, it is because if you can imagine big corporate sales, you could sort of two big corporations. Remember organizations don't partner, people do. Yeah. So well, of course they are going to work with each other. It's going to make sense that they would because they've got those synergies. But at some stage, somebody in that or some people because decision-making units is also a big, big area of selling, but there are some people in that who need to be working with people in the others. And at some stage, somebody's got to be leading that charge. Somebody's got to be sort of coming and saying, like, we, we can be doing this. And they have got to make a good account of themselves because you know, the people in the customer are going to look and say, well, yeah, we get why we're going to work with you, but just not you personally. <laughs> there's another account manager. In fact, I know there is because I've seen him all over social media. I've seen the stuff produces. I've seen the reports. I've seen the videos. That's, that, that's guy, that's girl I want to go with. So bad luck when I'm going to talk to you. Oh, but I'm in your area manager. I don't care who the area manager is. It's the person that I think is going to help me get the value. So equipping them to be able to demonstrate or show themselves as being the go-to person, the person that's going to help the customer. Uh, that, that just, it just makes so much sense for me. But It makes well, sense to me, as well, Fred, and um, it excites me um, because as a... Um, consumer it again puts me in control and gives me autonomy and choice and and that's you know they're my values um so so yes it excites me now we are at the end of the uh, podcast uh, already <laughs> time goes so fast when we're having a good old chat um but what I do want to hear for um you know for anybody listening in is how can people find and connect with you so that they can get not only your current book but the next one 
No, absolutely. You're really putting pressure on now, which is probably what I wanted anyway. Um, and LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, see if I practice what I preach, having just spoken about it and putting valuable information out and being the go-to person, you can uh, you can make a judgment on whether I am or not. <laughs> but yeah, certainly. Head head over there. On it. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, okay, well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. I've been smiling all the way through that um, that conversation, <laughs> and I'm really glad that we're connected and we found each other. No, me too. Thank you for inviting me on. It's good fun. So that's another episode done. Don't forget to buy the book, Leader X. Subscribe to the podcast and sign up to the newsletter at www.3wh.uk.com. That's the number three in the letters W and H. And now it's time for you to step up, take control and lead with impact. Tune in next time for another great guest. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Leader X podcast. The Leader X podcast is a gifted gab production for 3WH.